Hey friends, hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants and animals that are important to you. I slept for over 12 hours last night. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time that happened. Maybe when I was sick, I guess? I, I don't know, I usually get between 6 and 7 hours sleep a night, and that's plenty for me. But for whatever reason, I guess my body just needed a lot of rest. What had happened was I was editing a manuscript for the novel I hope to publish later this year, and this was at about 6 p.m. yesterday. And by about 6.30 p.m., I just started to get really tired. And I said to myself, you got to stop and take a break. You're not going to get any decent editing done when you feel this tired. So I saved all my work, and then I, I laid down on a couch, and I set my phone alarm for 20 minutes. And I remember looking at my phone, and it was 6.37 p.m., okay? So I closed my eyes. The lights are on in the room, by the way. I closed my eyes, and when I opened them and look at my phone, it was 11 p.m. I couldn't believe it. So I get up, I, I take a couple prescription pills, uh, one for my blood pressure because I'm a million years old, and the other prescription pill is an antidepressant because the last time I forgot to take that one, I did not have a good day, to say the least. Then I brush my teeth and I, I go to bed, and I sleep another eight hours. Yeah. All told, 12 hours of sleep. Did I feel refreshed when I woke up after sleeping 12 hours? Nope, not, not even a little bit, really. <laughs> More groggy than anything, you know. Because I, 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 I mean, probably because I, I didn't even have dinner last night, you know. Uh, but I'll tell you, that was, uh, that was odd. Folks, uh, you are listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I, I hope you love what you hear. If you've been listening for a while, you probably already know what I'm about to say. And that is, while there are no ads on this podcast, and there is no Patreon set up for it, I am a published author with nine novels currently available worldwide via Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all nine of my stories in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you find me on Google Play. If you prefer your books in paperback format, but you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my books in paperback at barnesandnoble.com. BN.com, if you're short on time. If you've already purchased any or all of my novels, holy moly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. the enemy listeners this is episode 220 of the people are the enemy podcast 
Thank you so much for checking it out. Thank you for spending time with me. How are you? How is your March going? Do we pass the Ides of March? I think we have. This podcast is being released on the 21st, if you're listening to it on the day it was released. So I think we're through the Ides, you know? Uh, uh, was it, uh, it's from Caesar, right? My, my daughter came in. She said, hey, you, you know what you have to be careful of right now? And I said, yeah, the, the Ides of March. And she said this to me on, I think, the 15th. And she said, how did you know? <laughs> and I pointed to a book of uh, William Shakespeare that is literally on the shelf behind me. And I said, that's Shakespeare, darling. It's from, it's from uh, Julius Caesar. One of the, the few Shakespearean plays we had to read in school. You know, I, I don't read a lot of, a lot of old literature. I, I do like Shakespeare. I read Macbeth not long ago. It was pretty interesting. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I had to read the one with the, the Cliff's Notes with that added, like, included, you know, because uh, because a lot of that stuff I don't understand. You know, it's beautiful, beautiful literature. It's, it's very flowery speech. I understand folks did not really talk that way. It was done, you know, as, speaking about speaking beautifully, in a way to be more artistic and artful and, you know, poetic, obviously. So, yeah, I read Macbeth and I, I read it with the cheat sheet, you know, so I understood what was going on. And recently I, I tried watching Hamlet, you know, and I, I was reading all about Hamlet and uh, I thought, well, that might be interesting to check out. Maybe I should check out Hamlet and see what see what was going on there. You know, Macbeth was kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, older stuff, I, I dig it sometimes, man. I'll tell you, the other night I got out and I, I, read, a, I read a short story from Edgar Allan Poe. I, I literally, this is going to sound so nerdy, but I have like a, Edgar Allan Poe's complete collected works in a hardback volume on my nightstand. It's been there for years and years and years. And sometimes, some, this is going to sound so geeky, but sometimes I, I dig it, man. Sometimes before I go to bed, I'll open it up and I'll read a story in there. And uh, and sometimes it's uh, so much... It's, somebody told me, they said, you know, you know, those guys used to get paid by the word. So they were really just over-embellishing. You know, these sentences went on and they were just you know, ridiculous and, and overly flowery. And, and there's a lot of that, sure. You know, and I'm sure that a lot of this stuff was, he was paid by the word. And, and of course, he stretched out a, what would otherwise be a, a short story, you know, into being something longer because of this, you know, flowery speech. But uh, it's still beautiful. I think Edgar Allan Poe's writing is beautiful. It doesn't creep me out at all, for whatever reason. And uh, the, the other thing I was watching, I was watching The Pit and the Pendulum <laughs> Speaking of Edgar Allan Poe, I was honestly in the mood for some Vincent Price. I wanted to see like an old Vincent Price movie. I just, I like watching Vincent Price. And uh, I thought, well, I never got through the whole pit and the pendulum. And I, I tried to get through it and I could not get through it. And, and to be honest with you, I think it's like a Roger Corman film. I'm pretty sure. And it's, it's ridiculously, you know, embellished and exaggerated upon. It is not at all the story uh, that Edgar Allan Poe put down which uh, I think was obviously much shorter, and they had to embellish and add to it. And but it's it was fun to see it was fun to see uh, uh, Vincent Price. Regardless, I, I love watching him on the screen, and I think he's a, a fantastic actor to uh, to watch. But uh, yeah, speaking of the pit and the pendulum, I suppose part of the reason why I was attracted to it is because the the story I'm working on currently the. Uh, the uh, man it aforementioned manuscript that I mentioned in the monologue there, it's for a story that's called uh, The the Peeper and the Playwright. And I honestly wasn't thinking about The Pit and the Pendulum when I titled the book. Uh, 
the peeper and the playwright. I just thought like, oh, this is this would be this would be kind of fun. But then, of course, yeah, I thought like, oh yeah, like the pit and the pendulum, and I started looking at the pit and the pendulum volumes today just to see how like the um, um, the font was on the different uh, volumes of it and the film, and uh, you know, they they people did it all different ways in terms of like where they put the words because I thought like that's a lot to fit on a on a book cover. It's going to be the peeper and the playwright, and I'm I'm wondering how they did it, and of course I'll most likely most likely enlist the help of of some artistic force as I have for the last couple novels uh, because they've done an outstanding job and I fortunately have uh, a, a couple, I should say a couple few good friends who are, are very artistically inclined who who I may be able to commission to help me with that. So hopefully it's a beautiful cover. But yeah, the, the forthcoming novel, fingers crossed, uh, I stay healthy, my family stays healthy, you know, I, I, I keep working and I'm able to... to to produce a, a beautiful novel by the end of this year, I should say the end of this summer, early fall. Uh, it will be titled The Peeper and the Playwright, and uh, it's going to be great, and you're going to love it. And if you haven't read any of my books, I, I, I don't talk often about my books during this podcast. Usually I mention them in the monologue, as, I, as I've done, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I recommend you check them out. It, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll mention this too, because it's worth mentioning, I suppose. And, uh, and that's, I sold more, I sold more books this year than I did last year. And that felt pretty good. It wasn't by a huge margin. It wasn't, and I'm not killing it at all <laughs> in terms of, in terms of book sales. This is not something I, I can make a living off of. I have to have a full-time job, but, uh, but yeah, man, like I, I did my taxes this weekend and in, in, you know, and one thing I get is I get a royalty royalty summation from Amazon, and it tells me how much money I made via selling my books uh, through Amazon, and uh, and I found out I I sold more books than I did last year. I I I made a a small margin more than I than I did last year selling books, and that that makes me feel good because there's incremental progress, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, again, I'm not killing it. I can't quit my day job, as they say, but. You know, I, I, I'm doing okay, and if anything, it, it encourages me. And I say, okay, hey, that's that's pretty good, Droopy D. Keep going. Droopy D is what I call myself sometimes, new folks. Um, but yeah, so that felt good. But man, it's just, I'll tell you, man, I do not like, I do, what I don't like is like, like, I understand, like, most people, I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people have a very simple, you know, very simple budget in their household, and, and, um, you know, they work one job and they, they do this, they do that, and maybe their spouse works one job or a part-time job or something like that, and they're able to pull together their 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 paperwork and, and, and do their taxes themselves, but 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 numbers make me nuts. Like I, I can't words I'm fine with. I, you know, the English language I love, I love playing with words. I play with words all day, you know. I I I, I work at a job where I'm communicating uh, remotely, so I'm always always talking online. Heck, I, I edit a book 10 months out of the year. I'm editing and working on a novel and writing a novel. So so I love words, man. I write uh, album reviews, you know, for Surviving the Golden Age. If you didn't know I did that, I, I love I love words. Heck, I, I write, you know, I write this show, essentially, you know, every week. Meaning what, we're what you're listening to right now. But numbers, man, numbers make me batty, man. Like I, I like I just go crazy. You know what I mean? Because I, I get, I think there's just so much stress. You know, in regard to it, I had, I think it, I think it goes back to school, man. Where like I would, 
I would sit there and there would be concepts, even in elementary school, that I just did not understand. You know, multiplication tables, I know inside and out, division, no problem at all, but, you know, things got harder when it got into fractions and then pre-algebra and then algebra and then just forget about it, man. Like, I... I got so stressed out as a kid, you know, I'd sit there and cry if I couldn't understand a concept. I'd, I'd think like, oh my God, how am I going to make it in the world, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I literally would just sit at my desk and cry. It was embarrassing, you know, because I just couldn't do, I, I wasn't good at math, man, and I struggled, man. Like, I got through college, I have a college degree, and, you know, I, I, I had to get through certain courses in order to, to be able to, number one, be accepted to a college, and number two, like when I was in college, I had to take, you know, a mathematics course. So I got through it, but I needed a lot of help. I mean, by the time I started college, I, I was no longer crying in class. How's that? <laughs> like by the time I was in high school, I wasn't crying in class, but I, I still get, you know, stressed out. And I just think what happened is this left me with such a feeling of anxiety and just, you know, just terror when I look at numbers. That and like I was audited once. I don't mind telling you this. I was audited once. By by the IRS, and it was it was not a it it was not a bad experience. It all worked out okay. I I'd screwed up a little bit on my taxes when I tried to do them myself, and I I got more back than I should have, and I had to give some cash back, and it was not a not a big deal. It was all done via the phone and through the mail. It all was fine. Regardless, after that, I said I I am not I am not going to do this again. Number one, I don't need the stress, and number two. Uh, I'm not good at it, <laughs> you know, so, excuse me, just taking some water here, ah, so anyway, so, yeah, I, I, what I do now is I, I bring my taxes to a professional, and, uh, I ended up doing that this weekend, but in, in, in getting prepared for this, it was like that sort of thing where I, I kind of pulled it all together last minute, like, I ran around the house, like, gathering up all the paperwork, and we try to put all the tax tax paperwork that we get in the mail in the same spot so so I know where it is because I, I do our taxes every year or I'm responsible for getting somebody to do them and I ran around the house and I grabbed all the, the tax documents you know I've got a mortgage and my wife works a job and I work a job but one thing that was different this year was like the first few months of the year I was unemployed and I I had to get unemployment and I you know I was like how do I how do I do like I literally had to go online and like find out like do I have to like uh do I have to do something about the money? Of course I had to do something about the money I got for unemployment. So, so like, it was, a, it was a Friday, this past Friday, I called, I called the unemployment office and I said, um, I said, do you guys have a form for me? Is there something I'm supposed to bring in? They're like, yeah, you, you need to, you need to have your 1099 when you do your taxes with the money that we gave you. And I said, well, how do I get it? Did you mail it to me? And they said, no, we made it available on your online profile because of course just like anything uh unemployment is all done online now and uh but we it's but you know you you you've been working since march so it's no longer there we take it off we you know we keep it up there for a limited time and then we pull it for you know security reasons and i said well how do i get it now and they said well you go to the unemployment office and you 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 tell the man you want it and he'll print it out for you and give it to you and i said okay uh can i do that today and they said yeah they said we're open from noon till four today. I thought noon to four, that's it? Oh my God. And it was like a Friday, I was working. I couldn't just leave my job. I had to like, I had to use my lunch break to go get it. I had to figure like, it took me 12 minutes to get there. I like looked it up. I said, it takes, I said, I said to the woman, I said, it's just, it's a 12 minute drive from my house, the unemployment office. 
how long will it take me to get this form printed out from uh, the, the 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 clerk there? And she said, "It'll take it'll take him one minute. If there's somebody in front of you, it'll take you two minutes." And I said, "Okay, well, let's see. Twelve minute drive to the unemployment office." One minute, maybe two minutes, and then a 12-minute drive home. So I should be back. I should have, be back in 26 minutes and have four minutes to spare because I get a half hour for lunch. Excuse me. I'm going to have some more water here. I, I won't drink it directly into the mic. Okay. Anyway, so so that's what I did. I, I took my lunch break. And, like, this is how crazy I am. Like, I didn't even think about it. Like, <laughs> like Again, it was just like, I just need to do all this now so that I can bring this stuff to the tax office because my the, the the fellow who does my taxes was open on Saturday. And I just thought, I just got to get it all done now. I can't wait. I don't want to, you know, I want to get it all done now. So I had everything except this one form. So I, I took my keys and I literally walked out of the house in slippers and a shirt that said Orgy of the Dead. <laughs> it had like naked women on under my shirt. Like, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, all I knew was like, all right, I'll just go to the office and I'll get this thing and I'll come back. And like, I didn't think like, I looked completely inappropriate for walking into an office. And, and, uh, but I did. And like, I had slippers on. I'm wearing the slippers right now. One of them doesn't even have laces. It's, it's like how disheveled I look like. The guy must have been like, are you still unemployed? No, yeah. <laughs> but no, 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 no. So anyways, all right. So I get in my car. I drive. Again, I'm driving in slippers. I'm wearing a shirt that says Orgy of the Dead on it. <laughs> there are literally like naked women on the shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> oh, I got this unemployment office. And I walk in there and the guy's like, this is a gentleman there, you know, older gentleman in a button-down shirt and khaki pants, exactly the kind of person you'd think you'd see at an unemployment office. He says, hello, can I help you? And I said, I said, uh, I, I he, no, he said, hello, how are you today? And I said, I'm fine, how are you? Just like that. And he said, pardon me? <laughs> and I said, I said, I'm fine, how are you? And I said it louder like that. And he said, I'm good. How are you? And I'm like, where are we going to have this? What are we going to go back and forth all freaking day? <laughs> I'd want to say like, dude, I got to be back. I got to be back at my desk answering phones in four minutes. <laughs> Pardon me. At that point, it was like 16 minutes, you know. But I said, I'm, I'm fine. And I said, uh, I said, uh, I need a 10, my 1099. And he said, okay. I said, uh, here is all my unemployment information because I was at least able to find like the printed sheet that they gave me that had all the data on there, including like my, you know, all the numbers, everything, whatever they needed, I had. He said, I don't need that. I just need your, your ID. So I gave him the ID and I'm like, okay. So the, the lady said it would take a minute. So he's looking, he's like, I can't print this out of this machine. <laughs> Like, oh my God, not only I'm going to be late to get back to work. He says, I got to go to another machine. So then he goes to like another computer in another cubicle in another part of this office. And I'm waiting there. And then a, a lovely young woman comes in and she's talking to the other woman. And she's being helped. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking like, I wonder if she has a job, if she's here because she doesn't have a job. Like, I just didn't know. And I just kind of started to speculate on her life just so I keep my mind off the fact that you know, I, I, I had to be back at work. And meanwhile, again, I'm standing there in an orgy of the dead shirt with like the two mismatched slippers on my foot, like a, like a crazy person. And, you know, but the gentleman comes back and he says, here's a form. And I said, this is all I need. And he said, that's all you need. And I said, okay, cause I'm doing my taxes tomorrow. And I just make sure and he said, that's yeah, all you need. And I walk out of there. And I'm like, that sounds, that sounds like God. I said, 12 to four. I thought to myself, 
Do they? That's all. Like they, they're just open for four hours. Like that huge office for four hours a day. That's it, and they're not even open on the weekends. Like, like. All right, whatever. All right, I just, I, I guess I could, I guess I could complain about it, but I, but I don't. Okay. So anyway, so I, I, I get the form and I get in my car and I race back. And I get back in time to do my job. Meanwhile, like, I'm starving. And I asked my daughter. I, like, walked through the door. I said, hey, can you heat me up some, like, um, some, uh, um, some, uh, meatless chicken nuggets? Because because I don't eat meat. And, uh, she said, what? I said, I gotta go back to work. And I'm, like, running upstairs to get on the phone. I said, can you heat me up some meatless chicken nuggets? And I get a text from her while I'm taking phone calls and says, I'm sorry, I can't make you any food. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? It's like three minutes in the microwave. You can't put like 12 chicken nuggets on a plate for me and put them in the microwave for three minutes on high. And I just said, she said, please don't be mad. And I was like, what am I going to say? I'm not going to be mad at my daughter. What am I going to like rant and rave? It's my own fault. You know what I mean? I didn't, I'm the idiot that has to do my taxes, you know, on that Saturday. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I could have, I could have, I could have asked for the extra time and would didn't have to rush. Ask for like an hour, you know, lunch, you know, next week or something. I got plenty of time. I got till what April fifteenth, April sixteenth, whatever the heck it is that they they give you to get your taxes done in the United States. <laughs> I don't even know, and I've lived here my whole life. I don't even know. Speaking of that, you know, I found a Canadian flag in our basement today. Speaking of living in the United States, I went down there to get an extension cord, and I found like. I found, like, a little Canadian flag, and it was the most pathetic little Canadian flag you've ever seen. It was just kind of wrinkled and faded. <laughs> but I loved it. I was like, hey, look what I found, a Canadian flag! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I just need to take some more water. Anyway. Anyway, long story short. Long story long, rather. I, uh, I bring my stuff. I get everything together. And I bring it to to the tax uh, people yesterday. Yesterday, meaning Saturday. I'm recording this on a Sunday. And uh, the woman says, uh, now don't, don't be upset. It might take us a while to get to this. And I said, are you kidding? I said, I'm just glad it's out of my hands. And she laughed. Ah, ha, ha. And, but I was serious, man. Like, I just like... As soon as I've got that, like, fold, like, a, you know, a folder with all the paperwork in it that they need. And I, you know what I always do? I always bring, like, the year previous as taxes. And she was so happy. She said, oh, my God, you brought the stuff we did for you last year. And I said, yeah. Because I, like, I, you know, it's just like, I just, I only want to be there once. Once to, like, drop the stuff off. Once to sign everything and pick, pick up, you know, my paperwork and then get the deposit. You know, that's it. That's all I want. Because I'm, I'm sure I'm getting some cash back. It's probably not much. But, but yeah, the woman was just like... Just be patient with us. Because I'm sure people are like, hey, I need my money now. I need my money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't care. I just like, just get the crap out of my house, out of my hands, out of my head. Like, I just want it out. You know what I mean? So literally like walking out of the tax preparer's office, I was like so happy. I was just like, oh my God, it's off. It's all done. Like, I'm still talking about it. I'm still walking around like, hey, look at me. I am the guy who did our taxes. And my wife is like, yeah, what do you want? A medal? You know? But, but I'm serious, man. Like, to me, it's a big deal because, like, I hate that stuff. I hate, I hate, I hate having it, like, on my head, on my mind, weighing on my, my brain, you know? You know, the, the, what I'm thinking of more than anything was, like, and I kept thinking about this. I'm like, okay, April 24th, I have this wonderful thing happening, right? April 24th, in case you don't know. Maybe you do. If you listen to this podcast a while, you do know. But um, I, I was given one hour as a guest DJ on the greatest radio station in the world. WFMU. 
And that show is happening April 24th from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And I really hope you listen because it's going to be a great show. I already, you know, uh, uh, full disclosure, I already recorded it, even though it's going to be as, you know, sound as if it's being performed live. But it's already been recorded, and I know it's outstanding, and I'm very proud of it. And there's some great music, and you get to hear me. And uh, how great is that? Anyway, I kept thinking to myself, like, like, I have to have my taxes done before the show comes. Like, the show is that far in the future that I have to get my taxes done. I just kept thinking, like, can't I just, like, I wish I could just wait and do my taxes till after, you know, it's just so I get this nice thing to think about. But I understood, so I got it done. But, I, you know, I, I'm happy, so I've got that done. April 24th, by the way, tune in. And believe me, I'm going to remind you again. It's, it's, I know it's over a month away, but I'm still, I'm going to remind you. Um, shoot, man, other things. Something else that I got, I got to look forward to. It's a long way off. My next book will probably be out before this happens, but I got a ticket to see Stereolab. Yeah. Yeah, you kidding me, right? Stereolab. You know Stereolab, Emperor Tomato Ketchup, you know, uh, Ping Pong, right? Oh, uh, jeez, you know, you name it. What's this one behind me? Uh, the, the Cobra, Cobra and Phase's group play Voltage in the Milky Night. I mean, come on. I, I can't wait to see Stereolab. I've been a Stereolab fan for over 25 years. I love that band. I can't believe, like... I can't believe I got I got a ticket. And I got one ticket to see them because I'm like, you know, my wife is going to see dry cleaning with me in May. And like begrudgingly. Like, <laughs> she, I don't think she really even wants to. Um, but so I just thought to myself, you can go see Stereo Lab yourself. And and I'll tell you something, full disclosure, again, for the the cost of two two for the cost of, of one stereo lab ticket for me is is basically the same amount of money. Maybe it's two dollars more. Then I paid for two tickets to see dry cleaning. And it still feels like a great deal to me. Like, it makes sense because, like, as I said, Stereo Lab's been around for 25 plus years. Dry cleaning has only been around for, like, three years. So that their ticket would be, their tickets would be much cheaper. Makes sense to me, you know. And, um, but yeah, man, I am, I am psyched to see both of those bands. I really, I really enjoy both of them. So it'll be a good time. Uh, what else? As far as music, let me tell you some more. Uh, I, I went, I found a new vinyl shop. That was another thing I, I did this weekend. There was a, I, I, I found a used vinyl place. Like it, it just turned out while I was, while I was driving to the unemployment office, I saw a sign that said used vinyl. And I'm like, what? In my city? Really? <laughs> like, again, it's not a Goodwill. <laughs> it's like a legit shop. Yeah, man, it was like an audiophile store, like a high-end, like, audio store where they were selling, like, stereo components and beautiful speaker systems. And it was like, you know, it was a nice, nice store. But part of the store was set apart was was vinyl, man, used vinyl. A lot of used vinyl, a lot of new vinyl, a lot of ridiculously priced used vinyl. Like, 80-plus dollar used vinyl, but it was like, sorry, new vinyl. 80 dollars plus for new vinyl seemed like... Like thirty dollars, I I get it. It's a double record set. You you get a download code. You get additional artwork. It's like the thirty fifth anniversary of whatever the heck you're talking about. You know, makes sense. Eighty dollars, <laughs> it seems exorbitant. And I'm talking about things like eighty, not like a box set. I'm literally just talking about like 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 Black Sabbath's Masters of Reality, like the the you know the the remastered edition or something like that. And it was like, what? That just seems absolutely asinine. But then there were other things that were like, you know, 
you could find like a roughed up copy of um, the Beatles Sgt. Peppers for like $15. And to me, like, oh, that's that sounds pretty reasonable for a used copy of Sgt. Peppers, you know, with a it's a bit roughed up. What else did I see there that was interesting? Oh, they had a couple of Lou Reed albums. Yeah, they had Berlin. That was that was one I was really looking at for a bit. I was like, I should really I don't buy this album. Buy this because I I remember like I remember spending a lot of time with Berlin. That's a depressing album, man. That's a sad, sad Lou Reed solo album. <laughs> but uh, it's wonderful and it's a masterpiece, really. And um, I didn't buy it. But it was that sort of thing, and I, 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 I tweeted about this as soon as I got home, but, like, I literally went through, like, their entire their entire uh, catalog there at the store. I literally started in the 80s and went, like, through and looked at every single record, except for, you know, if, if it was a chunk of, like, Aerosmith records and there was an Aerosmith card, I'd be like, I don't really want to see that because I'm not interested in Aerosmith because I live in New Hampshire where Aerosmith is from, and that's all you hear on the radio here. So I don't need Aerosmith in my life. No offense, Aerosmith. You know what I mean, though? So, yeah, so there were certain things I overlooked, and but I went through everything. And it, by the time I was done, it was just like, you know, you'd be like, <laughs> your eyeballs and everything. That's just like, I was like, oh, my God, I feel like dried up just from, from looking at all this, all this records, these old records. And, of course, I use hand sanitizer as soon as I get in my car because, God, you know, these old records have been touched by a million people. And you're thinking about that. Whew, boy, oh, boy. That was, uh, that, I don't need to go back to that vinyl shop, and I probably never will, you know, unless there's something I'm really craving. I'm more the type of guy that likes to, like, go to a Goodwill store and find, like, a diamond in the rough. You know what I mean? Most of my vinyl, like, I found, like, you know, just, like, like literally just going through it and being like, oh, my God, like, there's a copy of Miles Davis's, uh, the kind of blue here, you know what I mean? It's like, holy crap, you know? That's a legit album I found there. Or like, oh my gosh, here's Creedence Clearwater Revival's uh, Cosmos Factory. You know, I, f I remember finding that, you know? And it's just like, you find these things and you're like, oh, this is just a wonderful thing. And you feel like fortunate to find it among the Harry Belafonte and uh, and um, Engelbert Humperdinck albums or whatever, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, a diamond in the rough, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a million Herb Alpert albums, but, you know, all of a sudden you come across something really special like uh the first pretenders album like oh look at that there's a first pretenders album right here holy crap you know i kind of in more enjoy to find records that way rather than you know going to like a shop where they've kind of already curated and picked out you know the best of the best and have, are charging you know exorbitant pro sometimes exorbitant prices for them um oh you know what happened today this is this is you know we'll get off music we'll move into other things here um my daughter broke a bowl that, <laughs> that I was so happy this happened. I know you were saying, like, why would you be happy that your daughter broke a bowl? Well, it's this this bowl that was so special to my wife. Like, literally, like, and you're saying, Andy, that's ridiculous. Why would you be happy that your daughter broke something that was important to your wife? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this bowl has been in my wife's possession since we were dating. And she said, this bowl is my favorite thing. If I, if you if you ever, if you ever break this bowl, I am going to divorce you. <laughs> Let that sink in. Let that sink in. A bowl. <laughs> it sounds like a curse, right? It sounds like a fairy tale, you know? But yeah, she was serious, man. She was serious. She once had a roommate. My wife had like a favorite magnet. And uh, the roommate mistakenly broke my wife's favorite magnet. And my wife didn't talk to that person for like years. 
because because she broke her favorite magnet. And this was like a roommate. I think that she like they they moved out after the lease was up and didn't talk to this person for years because this woman broke her favorite magnet. So that's the kind of my wife is. Believe me, you, 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 if you listen to this podcast, you might have heard her on it. She's a lovely woman and she's got a lot of patience and she's absolutely selfless. But there are some material objects that she holds extremely dearly, and 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 this bowl was one of them. And of course, she loves our daughter. And, and my daughter, you know, was not told that you know if you break this this bowl, you are not my daughter or anything like that. This bowl was solely like in the house, and I'd have to be really careful, like putting it in the in the dishwasher and taking it out of the dishwasher. I said, if I break this thing, my wife is going to divorce me. Well, my daughter broke the bowl. And uh, I was thrilled. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is so great! I said, so we don't have to get divorced. And she says, no, no. And I went downstairs and I said, I said, you broke the bowl. And she said, I know, I feel so bad. It almost hit me in the head. She was. I said, no, it's good because now I don't have to. I don't have to worry about breaking it myself and getting a divorce from your mother. And and she she did not appreciate that anymore. I was trying to tell her I was happy that that she broke the bull. And and at that point, it was the wrong thing to say. She did not want to hear about me being happy that she broke the bull. Oh boy, oh boy, guys. Well, you know what? I I've been going for thirty three minutes here. This is a this is a lot of talking. I have stuff. I have more stuff to tell you about. But I I I I'm gonna save it because I don't know I don't know what's gonna come up next month and. Next month, next week. This is a weekly podcast, by the way. If you're listening for the first time, please subscribe and, and check it out. I've never missed a week. I am I am there for you. And, and by the way, and I'll tell you this, I listen to every show before I I I, I after I, I I upload them. Okay, same can't be said for some people. There's a show I really love, and I'm not going to mention the name of it, but I got 11 minutes in. And it was like supposed to be an hour long show, and there was just silence after the eleventh minute. And I'm like, oh, there must be something wrong. No, I I had to contact the 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 hosts of the show and tell them that their show was uploaded and it was missing like fifty five zero minutes. And they said, oh, thanks for letting us know. And then, can you imagine? That means that they posted the show and didn't even like listen to it. Come on, man. It's like I care about more about your your show than you do. How do I care about more about your podcast than you do? Okay. So listen, this is quality control. I'm listening to this. All right. And I'm, by the way, the other thing is I'm getting mad now. <laughs> I got to stop before I get too mad. I am here every week for you. Okay. Been here every week since January 1st, 2018. Okay. I will be here every week for you. Okay. Be there for me. All right. And be there for Rachel. Because up next, we have Rachel's chart chat with Rachel from Des Moines. Here it is. Enjoy. Thanks, Andy. Welcome back to Rachel's chart chat. I'm sorry for no segment last week, but I was under the weather. I'm feeling much better now. The charts we would have covered last week were March 4th of 1978 and 1989, but I couldn't skip either one entirely. 78, 79 are consistently my favorite of the 70s charts, and I actually remember many of the songs from 1989 due to being a kid then. So I put some picks out on our playlist, but in the interest of not falling behind, I'll just highlight a couple. Kicking off the Hot 100 are the Ramones at number 100 with Rockaway Beach. 
At number 90 is the song Let's All Chant by the Michael Zager Band. And I love this song so much. The chant of the title is that ooh, ooh sound. And one of the band members heard people doing that along to other songs in the New York City discos. So he told bandmate Michael Zager that they should do a song incorporating that sound. It also has an instrumental breakdown in the middle with clarinet, harpsichord, and piccolo trumpet. There's two videos of this on YouTube and you should watch both of them. It only hit number 36 on the pop charts in the U.S., but it made it to number 8 in the U.K. The other song I want to highlight from the 78 picks is Little One by Chicago. It's a ballad with vocals by guitarist Terry Kath, who sadly died of an accidental, self-inflicted gunshot wound in January of this year, right around the time of the single's release. I picked it because it is a sweet song, but also because I know ending gun violence is a cause that's important to Andy, and it's important to me too, so I wanted to get the word out on Terry Kath and what talent the world lost with this senseless accident. So now on to 1989, with a lot of hair metal, a lot of freestyle, but a little bit of everything else too. I want to highlight Anna Motion's Room to Move at number 48. Everyone remembers their hit Obsession, but this one is a lot of fun too. I remember dancing to it when I was a kid. Then we have Enya at number 45 with their unforgettable song Orinoco Flow. It made it to number 24 in the United States. So it's technically an 80s song, even though we think of Enya as being so 90s, and she definitely set the stage for that new age sound to become more mainstream in the decade. I definitely recommend the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast episode called Do Age, which deals with a lot of that type of 90s new age music that crossed over into the pop area. Finally, I wanted to mention Surrender to Meet, which is a duet between Ann Wilson of Heart and Robin Zander of Cheap Trick. And I had, I liked both of those singers. I liked both their bands, but I had never heard this song until I started getting big into the 80s charts. And I just wonder, like, why did it disappear? Why was it not a staple of classic rock radio or even, like, 100.3 The Bus? It's off of the Tequila Sunrise soundtrack, and it's really an awesome power ballad. I remembered something else that I wanted to mention from the 1989 chart, which was the Bobby Brown song, Rony. When they talked about it on the VJ Big 40, they mentioned that it was a slang term that evolved from the actual product tenderoni, which I, before that moment, I didn't know that was a real actual pasta product that was sold. So that was really an interesting moment of learning. I think it was discontinued when I was really like a baby. So I had never run into it as an actual product. I only knew of it as a tenderoni is a slang term and then Rony coming off of that. Was anyone knowing about that product? Do you remember that one? I don't at all. So on to the charts officially for this week. Uh, we have March 11th of 1972. And listening to the AT40 of this last Saturday, this wasn't super exciting. There's a few gems here and there. But looking over the full Hot 100 chart, there's lots of cool stuff. Um, there's a B.B. King song at number 95 I put out there. And I picked that one in honor of my dad. Uh, maybe a lot of our dads. B.B. King is one of his favorite artists. Linda Ronstadt at number 87 has a really pretty version of Jackson Brown's Rock Me on the Water. At number 78 is uh, a single by Wings, and in researching the song, I learned that Paul McCartney wrote Give Ireland Back to the Irish just days after the Bloody Sunday shootings when the British troops shot and killed protesters in Northern Ireland. 
The song was banned by the BBC. And I would say it's worth reading up on, especially for Americans. If, like, I had heard of this song as a Beatles fan and as a teenager, but I had never heard it until recently. The next pick is called Heartbroken Bopper. It's at number 73, and it starts out sounding like it could be on a Mars Volta album, uh, but it's Canada's own The Guess Who. And it gets into one of their grooves, but kudos to them for trying something experimental in the intro. And the last of the 72 picks I wanted to mention is, besides the single edit of Roundabout, you know I had to put on there, is a band from Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana called Pot Liquor, and it's spelled P-O-T-L-I-Q-U-O-R. And it is a term from Southern cooking. It's nothing to do with booze. And the song is called Cheer, and it was at number 70. And I would say if you like Rare Earth, like we had a Rare Earth song a few weeks ago, or any of that kind of heavy rock with unique vocals that was common in the early 70s, you know, Blood, Sweat and Tears, uh, Chicago themselves, certainly. Um, I think you should check out Pot Liquor. Uh, They have one album on Spotify, but they have four other ones besides that. Um, And just in researching them, they just seemed like one of those great, you know, could have been never all just never got kind of that break that got them to the next level but i i really enjoyed their music and uh, especially if it's i wouldn't call it southern rock necessarily but i think you can see kind of where southern rock grew out of some of what they were doing uh, moving on to the 1985 chart this is from march 9th and this is what i would call as like the mega soundtrack era there's so many songs on there that i recognize from being from different movie soundtracks and it's also when you have your a lot of your 80s superstars or what you think of as huge stars of the era, like there Madonna had two songs, there's Bruce Springsteen is on here, just those huge names we think of from the 80s. Um, and the speaking of soundtracks, the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack is represented on the chart with Patti LaBelle's New Attitude at number 67 and The Heat Is On from Glenn Fry is a way up at number three. And... The Pointer Sisters are also on, they have a song on the soundtrack, Neutron Dance, that was technically, I read up on this, not officially released as a single from the soundtrack, but since they knew the song was going to be coming out via that album, the label put it out as a single from their album. Um, And the video is also a tie-in video to the movie. And if you want to learn more about Beverly Hills Cop, uh, former guests of People Are the Enemy, Mary and Dennis, have a podcast called Mary versus the movies, and they did an episode all about Beverly Hills Cop, and you should check it out, and you can get it wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I thought this was kind of funny. Tina Marie has Lover Girl at number 12, and Billy Ocean has Lover Boy at number 11. And those are both a lot of fun. There's starting to be more rap on the charts, and there's a group called UTFO with a song called Roxanne, Roxanne. And this was the song that kicked off the so-called Roxanne Wars. And I definitely recommend, especially if you're not a big hip-hop head, you don't know a lot of this stuff already, check out the Wikipedia page for the Roxanne Wars. It's really fascinating. And then just take a scroll down the list of answer songs. 
because they were really big in the 60s and they kind of came back a little bit with uh, in the 80s with this Roxanne, Roxanne and songs that are an answer to another song. Um, one that I seem to remember from the 90s was there was TLC had no scrubs and then this other group put out a song called No Pigeons, which is like supposedly the male answer of No Scrubs. I don't know if I ever actually heard No Pigeons, but I still love No Scrubs. The song No Scrubs. I don't want No Scrubs. So that is pretty much it from the charts for the last two weeks. Um, there's something I've been doing on my Tumblr where I'm trying to keep track of challenging myself to find a Simpsons reference in every 70s chart. Even forcing myself to kind of stick to the classic era. There's lots of good ones to choose from. Like from that 78 chart, you had Staying Alive, which is Table 5, obviously. And We Are the Champions, which Homer sang is I Am the Champions. And not to be forgotten, when... Homer lost Maggie and he had to call the Department of Missing Babies. They put him on hold with Player's Baby Comeback. And you just got to love stuff like that. So that's on my Tumblr on Unicornery in the hashtag in the AT40 tag. And the only other thing I wanted to say is if you have a preference of if I should put the songs at the top or the bottom of the running playlist for your convenience, whatever is easier. I've been doing bottom, but if there's feedback that you'd prefer it at the top, I can certainly go that route. That's all from me. Thanks so much. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. I love that chart chat. So glad you're feeling better, Rachel. So glad you're back with us. So glad you put together the chart chat for another week. It's always, always so special. Thank you very, very much. I always learn a lot about blind spots, you know, that I have as far as, you know, disco music specifically. You know, I, I heard a lot of that music growing up, you know. Uh, my mom listened to a lot of terrestrial radio, and at the time, in the early 80s, that was on a lot of terrestrial radio, especially in the evenings. So I heard a lot of it, but I don't know the backstory on a lot of those songs. So I'm I'm always I'm always excited to to learn some uh, learn about some history on uh, the disco scene from those days. Very very cool. Also, I wanted to to mention that UTFO reference for uh, Roxanne Roxanne. I remember those. I remember those battle songs, those call and response type songs uh, in the hip hop, early days of hip hop, especially, especially, excuse me, with uh, Roxanne Roxanne. That was, uh, that was fun. You know, obviously it got into more heated battle type raps, you know, with the, uh, in the nineties, but in the early days of hip hop, it was, it was fun with like uh, Busy B and Cool Mo D. You can, you can find that, uh, those recordings of their, their rap battles. Very, very cool stuff. Thank you, thank you so much, Rachel. I, I appreciate you doing what you do. You do a great job of it, and uh, and it's always enjoyable and always educational. Awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Folks, this has been episode 220 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascoli. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel Hathaway. We love you. Peace.